deal with this card on the board with yeah. your board. If you're trying to do cards from hand to deal with it, you got to cash in. Like the Brits always say, fart me like a brav. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> All right, you're doing the rest of this episode on your own. I'm out. <laughs> Is that not a common term in Britland? Uh, to any of our UK listeners, I apologize. On his behalf. Welcome to Casuals of Runeterra, episode 37. I'm your host, Ryan, here with your other host, Hetch. What is up? going on we're back we're back we're, no it's not too far from the last episode we took a, took a little bit of a break uh, yeah yeah a little, uh, little tiny break here and and thank you for that i i, I needed a, to have the one weekend so understandable appreciate understandable. it uh and it was due right we, we had our three peat of the main three guys there um with neck boy susan and the Birdman. Yeah. And if you haven't listened to those three episodes, listen to them because this kind of culminates in where we're continuing yeah. on with the rest of our champions. They are ascendants, and they deserve their own little time slot, okay? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Speaking of time slots, we always do housekeeping up top. So obviously you can listen to us everywhere. So if you want to switch platforms for some reason, you can do that. We'll be there. If it's not there, you're lying, as always. <laughs> and follow us on Twitter to keep up to date on episodes. That's at Podcast Core. That's C-O-R. And you can send an email to podcastcore at gmail.com. Uh, I try to check that as much as possible, uh, which yeah, is not let us, often. Let us know where it is that you can't <laughs> find us, and then we'll be there, and you will once again be a liar. Exactly. We are never wrong. <laughs> never. Look at my predictions. <laughs> <laughs> so please leave a like, follow, and short review slash comment where you can. And tell a friend to learn how to survive by listening to the Casuals of Runeterra podcast. Yeah, we'll teach you how. We'll teach you. We'll teach you the basics. So, stay at the game. What are we playing? Uh, I'm, I'm still playing that. Okay, so. Oh my god! <laughs> Even before Sh Sharima came out, I've been playing this overwhelmed deck uh, made by a streamer named Jory, who I just I, his play style. He's a Japanese streamer. His play style is just like mine. Um, so I've just been playing decks that he's been playing, which has been the same overwhelmed deck, uh, that focuses around Draven. But, uh, with the release of the new set, I also, we, he swapped out the Riven for the LeBlanc, uh, to play around with the, those new tools to fits really well into that, that, uh, scheme. And that's working, right? Um, but he made a third version, which is a modified version of the original, which plays Riven because there's a lot of, uh, aggressive decks coming out lately. Lately, to try to beat the, uh, the TF Fizz that everybody's trying to figure out that's dominating uh, yep. the ladder at the moment. So yep. I have both versions where I bounce between depending on how the ladder's looking. And then he also put out a new unorthodox spiders deck, like pure spiders with Draven that I've been anxious to play because uh, it looks fun. And it's kind of a, it's sort of unorthodox, uh, but I haven't got there yet. I'm going to sooner or later, but I won't talk about it here hey. yet. I, I've been running into a couple more spiders. Like at mm -hmm. the point that I'm at, like I don't see too much TF fizz because I'm in I'm in like wood tier. Yeah, I, I'm just trying to get to iron. Um, but uh, like I do definitely see a lot more like swarmy decks, which yeah. like 
I thought it was just like for me, just running around in the trenches because it like TF like red card would just counter it. But I, I've been seeing it pop up on more streams too, and it's like okay, okay, the zoo is back. The zoo is back, dude. That I'm telling. We we talked about it. Listen, I'm not saying we're always ahead of the curve. But most of the time we are. And what happened is recently there's been a meme rolling around with the uh, one two one that makes the Sand Soldier. And everybody's like, <laughs> it's basically a decimate. It's a decimate for one. A one mana decimate. <laughs> On turn one. <laughs> like, if, you, if you open up the game and you've got the attack token with Sharima, it's just like, all right, like it's, we're not even on the same footing anymore. Like, yeah. this is, we're not playing the same game anymore. Yeah, if you don't like, have you a two drop, it out. game's over. <laughs> game's over. GG. Uh, that card is really good. And we'll see. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, obviously you get to the point where once the meta starts to settle, uh, people start looking for the balance changes and they're coming, you know, they're, they're very open and communicating with us. So uh, the last patch was more of just miscellane- miscellaneous um, nuances and bugs. So hopefully the next one has a good amount of balance to, to, cause there's some, there's some fun decks being passing around. So that's, and we've got tournaments coming up. Uh, you have obviously the Friday night fights uh, from giants. Was it giant slayers? Yeah, uh, tournament, and then uh, you have Twin Suns having an open soon, their first big open. We're going to have like over 100 players and stuff like that coming down the pipeline. A lot more activity in the pro side of things. So yeah. it's going to be fun to see. It's going to be fun to see what people have come up with in the meantime. Yeah, it's, it's really exciting to see that like a lot of the tournament stuff is still getting it's getting more traction instead of yeah. just maintaining traction like we're seeing it all the way from like the tippity top of competition to even uh like people just trying to get more tournaments going that's uh, like that's hype train which is good especially mm-hmm. since we are waiting for an actual balance patch because the desert is vast mm-hmm. uh <laughs> It's not a Runeterra podcast until someone says that at least once right now. (laughs) So what are you playing at? Um, So I – okay, this might explain why I'm in my wood tier, but I'm having fun, so screw you guys. Hey, casuals of Runeterra. Um, I'm filthy casual. I've been playing (laughs) – I've been playing a Sharima Ionia deck that, uh, with Talia as the only uh, champion, that is built around Monastery of Hirana, um, and it's uh, it really is abusing the Monastery with Predict. So, like, if once it gets to a point as far as like if I have Monastery down and like at the point of like five mana you don't really need to be getting late game like you just kind of start getting crazy with predicting literally every turn yeah and so then at that point i'll be tutoring whatever i want to the top of my deck it's because when you get late game with it it's predicting multiple times in a turn until you predict the card you want um and so then with that like you also have uh, the ability to copy the copy landmarks uh, with Talia, so then I like I've gotten board states where it's just Talia and nothing but five fours because of the grumpy rock bears, yep. um, as well as being able to play the Kahiri, because um, like there's the two versions of Kahiri, the three mana f- that's a four four if you predicted, but also the the six mana f- one with fearsome. That's a 4-4, four, four, but gets plus 2, plus 2 every time you predict. 
but since you have Monastery of Hirana, you're usually just replaying the same one over and over again, and he adds himself back to the deck. So I'll be running around with like six or seven Kahiris in my deck at any given point, and they end up turning into 12-12s if the game goes late. So it's like it, it has a good mid-range feel of being able to aggro and just blitz someone down or going late and just trying to play all these fearsomes that look like Susans. Exactly. So it, it, I've been having fun. It's not good. Do not craft this deck. Do not ask me for the list. It's not worth your time. <laughs> but I've been having a blast. Fun first. Win second. Win second. That's the if motto If I'm having here. fun, I've already won. <laughs> Actually, no, that's the motto. Okay, we'll do that one. We'll do that one. All right, so let's hop into the main topic of today. Uh, Reckless Ricochet Raider. We're talking about Sivir. Hell yeah, the princess of the desert herself. All right, and of course, like whenever, before we really get into Sivir's story, we got to talk mm-hmm. about some cards. Let's talk about the supporting cast here. And we we have to talk about this spell here at least once because of how much fun and how effective it is. You like gambling, is, kids? Let's yeah, what, what, go to the casino. Let's spin the slots, Gamble baby. Time. So we're, we're looking at payday. So mm-hmm. payday, two mana focus spell um, that is create a lucky find in hand. So uh, for... Uh, if anyone has missed that update patch, focus is burst speed, but only during your main phase or essentially during when your action. So you cannot play a focus speed spell in response to an attack or an enemy spell. Um, but otherwise it's burst speed, uh, which I know we were very excited when they started kind of adding more to this because it gives a lot more balance flexibility to giving us burst speed spells without us having episodes where we're constantly complaining about three mana burst speed spells. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll find a mana cost for focus spells to complain about we'll get soon there. enough. We're just we'll get, the well, science. You need time for the science to work. Well, let's not be too hasty. Let's finish talking about payday <laughs> before we say we're not going to complain about focus speed spells. Um, so, this one is a two mana focus speed. Create a lucky find. Now, lucky find is a fleeting zero mana focus speed spell, and you pick a buff from among three to grant an ally. Now, that three things that you get to pick is off of a larger list. I believe it's about nine options um, that um, you choose from. So it's it's three choices out of a larger pool than just three and they can include spell shield challenger fearsome plus two attack plus one plus one plus two health quick attack and tough and overwhelm so it's you know nice big list of keywords yeah yeah and uh for anyone who's been playing a lot of leblanc or a lot of sivir You've seen you you know what lucky find is. You've seen it because it's <laughs> like LeBlanc is LeBlanc is itching to find those coins. Yeah. Um, and like otherwise, like the, it is a fun effect. Like this is a healthy amount of RNG, especially since it's attached to a focus card. It's not really something that like you have to build a deck around. Like this is something that's going to complement 
a deck that you're playing with. It's going to complement cards that you want to be playing. So if you're not running lucky finds, you're not going to be upset about it. Like this is this is a healthy place for RNG to be, and I'm glad that we're not seeing too much of a reliance for RNG in the game of Runeterra. Um, especially for someone that's come from a lot of Hearthstone experience, like this is this is good. Like I yeah. I like this. It it's fun, but it's not something that's just like it, it's not going to take up your entire deck. Yeah, and um, the focus speed focus speed is great, like you said, because it does allow for the opportunity to react. So regardless of what your opponent gets, you get to see the board state before you get to decide on what's going to happen, rather than having to play around possibilities in your head as it may be if it was burst speed, right? So that's great. Yeah, that's great. Absolutely. The ability to play the card. It. And it's like, seeing it's seeing play essentially everywhere on the ladder in some in different counts. Oh, so Oh yeah, it's seeing play because, you know, again, <laughs> we're not we're like I, we, I've been making this joke with you, like in our chats for like a week now, where like LeBlanc just, I LeBlanc has no right to see as much play as she does because it's a three mana five two, but no one's playing P and Z control. Like everyone's just trying to be greedy with P and Z to get your Ladros uh, Dreadway combo. Mm-hmm. So since everyone's being greedy, LeBlanc gets away with it. Yeah. So. Uh, for now. For now. So everyone's been seeing that. And then even if it wasn't for that, Aphelios, th- this is a card that triggers Aphelios by itself. Yeah. And we don't see a patch for that coming yet because the desert is vast. <laughs> the desert is vast. So yeah, yeah, no, no. We're we're gonna see we're we're gonna see more of this card. But yeah. it, it is it, this card's in a healthy spot. Like don't don't let the memes lead you astray. This yeah. is not the problem, child. Um, Another strong card that we end up getting, uh, as well as this, like is Sharima, they wanted you to play Sharima. We we've talked about this in the last three episodes, and the next card is just it's something it, to deal with. <laughs> I, you, you know, you know, I had to put it on the list for you, Mister. I've been playing the same deck over and over uh-huh. again. Um, so, Ruin Runner, the MVP of Sharima. I'll go ahead and say oh it. Oh my, that's huge! I didn't expect you to say that. I'll say it. So brave. Is it? Is it actually brave? I'm <laughs> confident that this is the MVP of Sharima. So, Ruin Runner is a five mana six four. With overwhelm and spell shield, mm-hmm. this card's incredible. All right, like this. So you already have you already have the effect that it, the fact that it has overwhelm. So chump blockers just screw you. All right, there is no chump blocking the ruin runner. It's the damage is getting through. Then you've got spell shield. We love to talk on this podcast about some dumpies. All right, like we, <laughs> all right, the cards that we like have big HP, but, <laughs> but Ruin Runner gets around that by having a little bit lower HP total. But Spell Shield, like, okay, like you, you're going to have to deal with this card on the board with yeah. your board. If you're trying to do cards from hand to deal with it, you got to cash in. Like the Brits always say, "Fought me like a brav." Oh. My lord. All right, you're doing the rest of this episode on your own. I'm out. <laughs> Is that not a common term in Britland? Uh, to any of our UK listeners, I apologize. <laughs> on his behalf. 
yeah, sorry. Yeah, so spell shield gets around gets around its HP total, so it you know it keeps it on the board in the way that you want it to be, which is fighting other creatures. Um, and then on top of that, with the release of Sharima, this gives you reputation countdown. A lot of the reputation cards aren't the craziest are like they're not the strongest cards of the newest release but the fact that this is a super strong card especially at the mana slot that you're playing it at that also complements reputation which is where this is a card that you definitely want to be playing if you're playing anything that has Sivir, that has leblanc this is an auto include this card is incredible um and i i think i the fact that it's a common on top of that, like anybody can be playing this. Like yeah. you don't have to, this is not a huge yeah. investment to be playing. This is the MVP of Jurema. I'll yeah, call another it. Part, and from the lore standpoint, you know, we get a representation of a mercenary, a Shurima, Shuriman mercenary. This is post all the insanity that was uh, during the ascendance going wrong, right? The Runation mm -hmm. 2.0 per se. Yes. And the quote, the quote we hear got here kind of embodies it as we move into you know Sivir's main story here. But before the vault, Surima's uh, mercenaries and tomb robbers must learn to survive the desert's more overt threats. First, the unrelenting heat, which as people living in Atlanta, we understand that part. And second, Wait. the multitude of raiders and hellbent on carnage, which once again, living in Atlanta, we know that part as well. So <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so so yeah. Are the desert people hell-bent on carnage? Do we know anyone that's a little hell-bent on carnage? I can't think of anyone. <laughs> okay, that's Nothing a shame. So who are mind. we talking about today? Uh, today, <laughs> we're talking about the reckless Ricochet Raider herself, uh, Sivir. So she has a pretty standard storyline uh, here. Uh, Sivir spent her youth as an orphan. Both her parents were killed by raiders, bandits, mercenaries, whatever you want to call it, uh, just in the the mean streets of Sharima, post all the nonsense that happened with Azir. So she spent her youth stealing food, scavenging ca or scavenging caverns and tombs for trinkets to sell. Your standard, you know, the street urchin type stuff. Uh, during this time, she was good at finding things, but not real great at keeping them because <laughs> it was a survival of the fittest type approach. So she would, you know, get these trinkets and then people would beat her up and take it. Uh, so she got stronger, stronger to the point where, you know, as she grew up uh, in her, like, teens, she went to work for a mercenary elite, uh, order, uh, sor sort of, led by this prominent mercenary. And these names, I'm going to, we're going to wing it. Uh, I'm going to go with Iha Zaharo. Right, and the fact that we have committed to winging it means that this is now the only pronunciation of it. This is now the only pronunciation ever we given. We do not recognize any other pronunciation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and during her time under this mercenary queen, per se, um, she notices the disparity between like compensation and glory. When they compete something, complete something, because she's good at, remember, finding things. She's a good uh, strategist in her own right. She never gets credit for it. It's always the leader who gets credit for these things. So what she ends up doing is rallying these, I won't call them coworkers, but they're like, they're a mercenary band of, you know, cell swords uh, per se. And says, Hey, we should take over command of this guild and run it differently. And they said, okay, cool. But Sivir doesn't want to kill, you know, the leader, but she does leave her out in the middle of the desert to figure it out. Right. So she gives her that second chance of hope. <laughs> um, 
So after that period, Silver kind of rockets this mercenary league into uh, fame, which is always good and bad when you're a mercenary. And one of the jobs they get is from a Nashrimi. Nashrami? How do you, how do you pronounce it, Hedge? Uh, I I, th- I think we'll go with uh, Nashrame. Nashrame sounds good. Yeah, that, yeah, like that it, rolls. It rolls a little. Let's, okay. let's go Nashrame. Yeah, they take a uh, Nashrame job uh, to look for this lost heirloom, this weapon that we're familiar with that Sivir has, uh, which is the crossblade called the Calicar. So it could be Calicar, it could be Kalasar, it could be Shalasar. Um, I'm going to go with Calicar. I feel like because the hard sounds make it sound like a weapon. Yeah, and again, now that we've committed, that's the only pronunciation. <laughs> Uh, and Truth. so, and, and upon finding the Calicar, mm-hmm. uh, Sivir decides to keep it to herself and kills anyone that disagrees. So, okay, so no, no carnage. No, no, no one in the desert yeah. knows this carnage. But wait, wait a second. Kills everyone. She kills everyone <laughs> that tries to like, no, we're supposed to give this over to the Nashrame. And she's like, nah, nah. She's like, no, I like this. It's like interesting. This. Like, she's definitely, you can tell she has hard grit to her. She doesn't kill unnecessarily, but she's not opposed to it because of the environment she was raised in. Uh, and you have that that duality of naturally growing up, being a victim of raiders and mercenaries and growing up to become one, right? So as we move forward, she continues this infamous run for her mercenary band. And then Noxians, who are currently, and remember, this is important. This is an important factor here because the Noxus Empire under Darius, which we haven't gotten to yet, we'll get there. Um, is a liberation empire. So they invade with the sake of liberating slaves and dentured servants and stuff like that to make the choice of serving in their army or being free, right, to live their lives. So that makes Sharima a big target, as we've talked about in our Azir episode. If you haven't listened to, go listen to it. So the expedition is coming through uh, Sharima. They catch wind of this mercenary band and the youngest daughter, known as Cassiopeia, Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> the youngest daughter of General Ducato uh, is looking for some help, and he gets Sivir's group to help them. It's a lucrative offer. So they take the job, and remember, this is pre-Snake Cassiopeia, for those who don't know. Um, so they take this job to essentially search uh, into these treacherous dungeons, or I guess dungeons, tombs, places they're not supposed to be. Yeah, it, well, you know, they're tomb raiding. They're tomb raiding. Why didn't I think of and, that? <laughs> they're getting their Laura Croft on. This is this is where this is why I'm here for you. I <laughs> got you. you. <laughs> yeah, they they go tomb raiding. Yeah, and uh, and then like go ahead and envision all of your Laura Croft tombs as well as like your Indiana Jones tropes. Yeah, this is the crap they're running into. <laughs> exactly. So they're trekking through these catacombs, uh, these underground burial sites that they should not be in and they the whole time obviously Siver a professional is like hey this doesn't seem like it's going well people are like falling behind people are dying she's like we should just turn around Cassiopeia just ignores her and keeps trekking forward because she's been paid it's like let's get this job done and they get to essentially the gates of the tomb or the doors of the tomb that we're all familiar with if you listen to the other episodes Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So at this point, uh, Cassiopeia literally stabs her in the back and leaves her bleeding in the sand. Uh, 
You got something to say? No, no, no. I'm okay. just laughing at like, oh yeah, no, literally, literally. No, like, we have literally. to, like, thank God for um, English catchphrases. We have to know, specify. Right? So, or for, you know, once again, our UK fans, she fights her like a bruv. Oh God. <laughs> she does not fight her like a bruv. It's literally stabbed just, in the back. It's the opposite. She's the, it's the antithesis it's of monkey. fighting her like a bruv. Again, I apologize to the UK <laughs> listeners. Please don't give up on us. <laughs> so she then takes the uh, Calicar from Sivir, uses it to open the door as a key. And once the door opens, she springs a trap. There manifests this essentially stone snake that spits venom, searing her skin uh, and essentially leaving her for dead. So everyone around her, like all the other mercenaries, are panicking at this point. And as the panic happens, she before she loses consciousness, she hears this building of just like roaring and this noise of battle, which we know from our previous Neckboy episode is Renekton and Zareth essentially being freed from this tomb and this eternal fight they've been having. Uh, so we skip to her regaining consciousness slowly, which picks back up in the Azir episode, uh, which once again, check it out. And the body that Azir finds as he's kind of uh, manifesting back into the world, is Sivir. And that's the character that we're told has royal blood. So he, she's of his bloodline. And she has a mortal wound, so he picks her up, brings her to the healing waters, dumps her in, and it triggers the whole regeneration process of Shurima, Right, A big deal for a, a little orphan uh, to be the key, the literal key. Just, uh, just it, it's, it's small detail. Small detail. Hashtag semantics. Hashtag semantics. <laughs> um, to be the literal key that brings the Empire back on footing. So all this happens. We, we know from Azir's story where this kind of picks up. And her original, her, like her immediate plan after she's healed is to grab her weapon and dip. Right? She's just going to bounce out, figure everything out. And one place she runs to is the city of Vakara. So in Vakara. Uh, she does encounter situation while trying to lead this new life or figure out how to get back to her previous life uh, where Zareth comes to find her. And he is currently on the mission of annihilating <laughs> Zareth's bloodline for good. Because the first time didn't work. So second time's a charm. Right. Second time's a charm. Yeah. And, like, in, in his defense, you would have thought it'd work when, he, you know, literally everybody in the mama was at there. Like, <laughs> he... he I feel you, Zareth. I feel you. You checked every box, and here we are. Runation 3.0 coming soon. <laughs> um, so so during this battle with Zareth, she is encountered by Nasus and Talia, who, Nasus, we talked about Talia. We'll get there. Uh, but they come to her aid, and at that point, you're kind of left in the story of, does she choose to stop trying to run from this destiny of how important she is to the grand scheme of Shurima, or does she try to regain her own life in some way or find this new path during all this turmoil that's going on around her? So Shurima, once again, as always, is in a state of uh, nonsense. So. Yeah, I, I just love that Like her story ends on like this cliffhanger of like the you wake up, and you're suddenly in a completely different world. It's like, okay, you are now the protagonist of this story. And <laughs> like Sivir is just like semi-rightfully just kind of looking at it going, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to go. 
I'm gonna go. Let's just let me. I'll talk to y'all later. And now it's just her life is chasing her. And yeah. Like it just kind of leaves off there, which is great as far as storytelling, but it also gives like this nice little sense of realism to yeah. such a fantastical story. Exactly. Exactly. So this card takes us to a card as always, and her card. I think they did all right. I think they did all right with representing Siver. Um, so she's a four costed five, three with quick attack and spell shield or spell barrier. I can't remember which one is it. Spell, spell barrier, shield. Right? Spell, oh, spell shield. Spell shield. shield. Uh, barrier. Uh, barrier tough. shield. Yeah. <laughs> barrier shield is the... Tough barrier. <laughs> it's the one where when a spell targets her, it doesn't work. All right. <laughs> It's that one. So she has quick attack and that one. And her simple thing is you've dealt 35 plus damage. So she doesn't have to be on the board um, for 35 damage to happen. You just got to do it during the game. And you may not know this, but during a game, people do damage. So it's a pretty easy prerequisite to hit. Uh, Upon flipping, she gets the standard buffs here. So she goes to 6-4. And she still has those two keywords. And while I'm attacking, attacking allies have my keywords. That's good. That's good. So that means if you give her any keywords ahead of time before she attacks, they get those. Cough, cough, payday. <laughs> yep. um, yeah. I like they, this, this is one where it's like, um, cause we, we love to talk about like how well a card's translated from League of Legends mm-hmm. to Runeterra. This is one that like is arguably one of the more difficult ones to do. And, I I feel like it's a good enough job, like yeah. Because in in League of Legends, it's it's a speed boost that she provides to her team, yep. um, which movement speed is always underrated in a game like League of Legends. But the like how you can't how do you translate how like oh I got the zoomies how do you translate that into a card game? So I, yeah, th- this is one where it's like it's fun enough and it definitely just does give like a bit of the feel of what that's like but um i think it's one that was more difficult what i do have to say though they had no business making the art for sivers card just so dang good oh yeah like the sense of motion like if if you're unfamiliar with league of legends siver is like one of the og characters yeah for the game uh which also means that she's been around long enough to where her story has changed too but uh, her polygons in League of Legends still look like she's an OG. Yeah. And then they drop this card on us, and it's like, man, like Riot, like why you gotta call me out like this? I <laughs> I did not need this. All right. I already got to deal with like Wonder Woman releases from DC, <laughs> and now this. I like okay. I get it. I'm a simp. Just leave me be. Just leave me alone. <laughs> Um, yeah, and it's, it goes it goes again to how we're noticing some of the redesign elements that they want to institute for some of these characters as they do those updates continuously in League of Legends are showing up here and will probably show up in like the RPG that's coming out soon and other things like that. So it's it's cool to see us get certain characters that do have these redesigns because they are real solid um, yeah. as they work with like other companies, right? Um, Six More Vodka, shout out to them because they've been killing it. Um, on the art so absolutely killing it you don't know us personally but we appreciate you (laughs) we do we do (laughs) while also i kind of hate you like (laughs) like just leave leave me alone um yeah this takes us and then uh and then otherwise like the card is good 
Like this yeah. is, and this is one that we're like, we didn't have to have this backpedaling like LeBlanc has given us of changed opinions. It, it came out. We got what we knew what we were getting. Yeah. And the text wise here on the card fits the lore very well, where it talks about, you know, growing, have being a victim to mercenaries growing up as a mercenary and her views on mercenary work, right? As far as like, you know, come in, do pay your share, like do your share and expect what you're due, but don't get in my way, right? Mm-hmm. So she she respects that everyone is worth what they give, uh, but the moment that you start to become a nuisance, you will be taken care of. Yeah, and uh, as the flavor text on the flipped version of her card says, if you slow me down or get in my way, I'll kill you myself. <laughs> so... I love it. Love that's it. An, yeah, that's it. That's enough. Uh, so as always in these episodes, we get to the point where Hedge gets his question or challenge. And oh boy. for this one, we're gonna we're gonna go back to the the well. And you mentioned, you know, Indiana Jones, uh Raiders of the Lost Ark, those kind of those don't, stories. Don't don't put this on me, all right? So how, how dare you? So what is your favorite type of trap mechanism? in these movies. So when you have the adventure movies and they spring a trap, what is your favorite one in House Betrayed? For me, this is one I've seen, uh, this is a classic, which is essentially the trigger, which is usually either you step on a tile that's kind of singled out, that's the button, right? And it opens up these holes in the wall where arrows are shot out, usually like poison arrows or whatever, and they're they're kind of throughout, and they have to either run or dodge. And I always thought that's cool to have these priests set up essentially like a artillery fire that's triggered by a button. Um, it's treacherous. It looks cool. It allows for uh, opportunities of gymnastics, which always looks cool, uh, or just luck. You know, get on the ground and duck. Uh, but usually there's a parapet as well, so <laughs> that doesn't always work. <laughs> Yeah, I so my my favorite uh, my favorite because of like comedic value combined with realism uh, mm-hmm. is the the good old fashioned pitfall. Oh, um, because like with like you get the comedic value out of it because it, either like you're hitting like a tripwire or you know the the depressed tile yeah. uh, button and then you know the floor falls out. And like for like if you're doing it in like a cartoon or something, you get like the Bugs Bunny floating in midair <laughs> thing, and then running on the air trying to get yeah. back. Like so you've get you've got that, but then like you, I like it because it is one that's realistic. Yeah. Uh, if uh, you do any, if you do any rating up on like the Vietnam War, um, like a lot of a lot of places in the that the Viet Cong would defend would be defended with uh, punji sticks. Yep. You know, punji or pungi. Yeah, one uh, of those. What a, one of those. But, you know, like, they, which was just a pitfall of, with ba- sharpened bamboo stakes with a lot of bacterial <laughs> elements. Yeah. <laughs> a lot so of if times. If you survive, it's going to yeah. suck. Yeah. Uh, if you, one, even one, if you one live, common, it sucks. Yeah, you're, you're the best, the number one voted uh, best war tactic in show dig a pit if you're ever in war and you're defending a location or want to prevent someone from getting that location dig a ditch you know what dig two ditches you can never dig enough ditches World War, <laughs> World War One taught us that you just don't stop built, digging ditches <laughs> yes, keep you digging. just keep digging and you do it until they send you home yep exactly <laughs> that is the key to winning uh, it's proven in history but yeah, as always, that that's that's actually a good one. The the parapet is always is always good. So yeah, uh, 
But don't do this. Don't listen. Don't try this at home, kids. Don't, yeah, don't <laughs> don't try the traps at home. You know, leave that to the mercenaries. Leave that to the mercenaries. <laughs> so as always, thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with the next episode. <laughs> Take care, everybody.